Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's segment, I wanted to talk about the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And when we think about the gospel, I believe it's important that we look at it from a biblical perspective, not from a secular perspective, not from uh, strictly or exclusively an experiential uh, perspective, nor an ideological perspective, but looking at it through a biblical lens. And the question is, what does the Bible tell us about the gospel the nature of the gospel, the function of the gospel, what is the gospel, and how should it be applied, and what do I have to do with the gospel? And I believe the Bible is clear and concise as it relates to our relationship with the gospel. So the gospel is simply the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel details the death, burial, and, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for all believers, all Christians, the gospel ought to be a priority. We are in the business of allowing God to use us as instruments or vessels for others to get to know his uh, son, Jesus the Christ. It is our job. It's our job to let the world know that Jesus lives and Jesus has a plan for their life. So when we talk about the gospel, we ought to be excited uh, that God has blessed us to be part of his kingdom building agenda. We ought to be excited that the God of the universe, who knows everything, has called us to become co-laborers with the son Jesus the Christ. 
And it is good news. It is good news. It is excellent news. It is exciting news. Knowing that God can make what was once dead and quicken that individual, meaning make them alive to serve on his behalf. God has or is able to take the one that is a drunkard and turn them into a deacon. God is able to take the a gossiper and, 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 and turn them into somebody who can become a confidant, a confidant, someone you can confide in. God is able to take the lazy or slothful individual and make them dependable and functional. God, God is able to do above and beyond what we could ever think of or what we could ever conceive. It is he, through the power of the Holy Ghost, that can make us into the person that he wants to mold us to become. But all that is rooted in the gospel. What we can become is contingent on the gospel. We are what we're going to be based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we can't minimize the gospel. All churches ought to be interested in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. We use the term often evangelism. Evangelism is the verb form of the noun uh, euangelion, which is the good news. Euangelion in the Greek is the good news. The act of sharing the good news is euangelizo, which is the verb form of euangelion. So all of us have been called by God to be light bearers. We are bearers of the light. And part of bearing the light is testifying to how good Jesus is and what he can do for others. We are light bearers. We are not part-time workers. We are on call 24 hours a day for God to use as he see fit to bless others. So as I was thinking about the gospel, I wanted to share the content of the gospel or the function of the gospel in a way that all of us could understand. And so um, the Lord blessed me to come up with this acronym. The gospel, when we think about the gospel, we ought to think of it as good because it's good news. Good. And by good, I mean using the acronym good, G-O-O-D. The first letter, G, stands for go. Go. The gospel reminds us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all, the, of all nations. And then uh, when, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he told them to go. But again, it's not just descriptive. This act of going is prescriptive because we see it in the book of Acts. They went. And not only did they go, God wants us to go. Well, you may be asking yourself, where should I go? Start at home. There are people in our own family that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we should start with them, right? Start in Jerusalem, then go into Judea and, and to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. Go. 
Go to your jobs. There are co-workers who may not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are agnostics who may not even uh, receive uh, God because of their skepticism. There are atheists who, who assert that God doesn't exist. So we go. People need to hear the gospel. People need to be afforded an opportunity to hear the good news. And as we look at the climate and temperature of our society, it's definitely clear that the world needs to hear some good news. With all of the crimes that's being committed, with all of the transgressions that's being committed, this world needs to hear some good news. It's evident. It's evident they need to hear some good news. When we look at social media and all of the silliness and all of the self-centeredness and all of the uh, vanity that's being promoted, it's obvious this world needs some good news. And we need to start at home. Start at home. Start in the community. Your cashier needs to hear the good news. The person at the grocery store needs to hear the good news. The person on vacation that you meet need to hear the good news. The person at the post office need to hear the good news. Even strangers unaware need to hear the good news. We can't take for granted that everybody knows God and everybody loves God. We can't take for granted that we're going to see them again. So whoever run across or come in contact with our orbit, we have to seize that opportunity and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the connotation is we have to go. Every now and then, the Lord sends us people into our lives. But on the other hand, there's going to come opportunities where we have to go. We have to go and share the gospel. There's a point in my Christendom that I was blessed to be part of the street witnessing ministry at our church where we were able to go door to door, knocking on doors, bringing the good news and giving people an opportunity to share the good news. So all of us should look for opportunities. Perhaps you being invited to a birthday party. You should talk to God and say, Lord, I know that your priority is that everybody I come in contact with have an opportunity to uh, have a relationship with your son, Jesus the Christ. Lord, use me. Create an opportunity for me to talk about you. Create an opportunity for me to share the good news about how Jesus saved me, about how Jesus found me, about the condition I was in before I started walking with Jesus and how he's changed me, how he's transformed my mind, how he's uh, quickened my soul and spirit, how he's made me a new person. We ought to testify about the good news because instead of people taking drugs and alcohol, uh, to numb the pain of life, we should be consumed and intoxicated with the Spirit of God. Uh, this relationship and getting to know God and His Spirit is contagious. Because I love Him, because He loves me, my part of the relationship is to go and tell it. Go and tell it in the highways, in the byways. Tell it to my grandchildren, to the children. Tell it to my spouse. Tell it to my uncle and my aunt. God wants us to tell it. Tell it wherever you go. Don't be discriminatory. Tell it. Be indiscriminate. Everybody else is coming out the closet. Christians ought to come out the closets. Christians ought to stand boldly on God's word. Let us take a break. 
to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Tell it wherever you go. People need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So the first letter of the acronym good dealing with the gospel deals with us going, going, not being sedentary. Go, go and tell it. Let other people know that he lives. Be like um, the uh, woman in John 4 where uh, Jesus had a conversation with this Samaritan woman and she had a past, but when she left, she stopped uh, thinking like she used to think. She stopped processing like she used to process. And because of her conversion, when she went back into her region, people noticed a difference. She said, come see a man, come see a man who told me all about myself. And it was because of her language, because of her attitude, because of her change of perspective, that had an effect on the town because she was labeled as so-and-so. But once she became converted, the change was obvious and people wanted to know who changed this woman. Nothing else could change her. The men in her lives couldn't change her, but something has changed her. And I want to know what that something is. And this is what God is requiring of me. This is what God is requiring of you. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. And that change can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first letter in the word good that we're using as an acronym is go. Go and tell it. Then the O. The O brings to mind, once the gospel has been shared, once people have accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, once we start living for Jesus, it becomes offensive. Offensive. People get offended because of the change. They recognize you as one way, but now you're no longer the same, and they don't like the new you. They don't like for you to be holy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people who want you to be like them. 
not like Jesus. They want you to be the same person that they met years ago. They want you to continue drinking with them. They want you to continue gossiping with them. They want you to continue minimizing other people. They want, they, they want to feel comfortable around you. They want you to use the same language you used to use. They want you to run in the same circles you used to run in. They want you to be the same where God is calling you to not be the same. So when you start preaching the gospel, it offends them. So the gospel offends. It's offensive. Let's look at a biblical passage that's found in 1 Corinthians one twenty three. It says, for indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews as well as Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we, when we go out and preach and teach it's not automatic that people will welcome the message. Some people find it offensive. I, I, I was just talking to a fellow Christian a few days ago, and they were talking about a new convert, a new member to their church. And the question was asked, have you been baptized? Well, the person, um, or, or could you explain your salvation testimony and have you been baptized? Well, the person took offense. Why would you be offended if someone asks you, tell us your conversion story? Why would you be offended if someone asked you, have you been baptized? That is part of our walk. That's part of our story. But for whatever reason, people take offense to the most biblical things. And so we can't stop what we're doing because people are offended. When we look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, it talks about how the Greeks pursued wisdom at the sake of the creator, meaning God created wisdom, right? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So God created wisdom, and he created natural wisdom as well as spiritual wisdom. So the Greeks were afforded the ability to study and investigate and elucidate natural wisdom. So that's, they, they sought it at all costs. They, 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 they wanted it to find out how to be wise. So they created all these systems based on logic, but nothing, there's nothing wrong with logic. But when you leave God out of logic, then it turns into foolishness. This is why the Greeks, as smart as they were, as wise as they thought they were, created these phantom gods made with hands. They created Zeus, right? They, they, they created uh, uh, Apollos. They created all of these pantheon filled with gods because they turned their weight or their face away from the true and living God. So for the Jews, I mean, for the Greeks, they sought wisdom. And for the Jews, they wanted more signs and wonders. It got to a point in Jesus' ministry where he told a certain group that I'm not going to perform uh, or I'm not going to administer any more miracles in front of you because you all uh, want me to perform signs and wonders. You're looking for the fascination. You're looking for the, the, the shock and awe, but your heart is not ready to accept the kingdom of God message. So all of us have a desire. We have a free will. The question is, 
How are we using our free will? How are, are we ex- exercising this free will? Is the free will based on a thirst for God or is it based on a thirst for secular desires, natural desires? So the gospel can become offensive. When we look at uh, John 10 verses 22 and 23, it's reported in that uh, passage that the Jews took up stones to kill Jesus. Why? Because Jesus made inferences that he was God and he was God. But because they couldn't handle it, they wanted to kill him, uh, not for the work he, uh, that he did, not, not for the healing he was uh, administered, but because he told them he was God. And they, they were offended. They were offended. They thought he was blaspheming because they weren't ready to accept Jesus the Christ as being equal with the Father. Then, in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, again, we see... People taking offense. They took offense to Peter and John preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they became offended. The Jews became offended. The religious leaders were offended that these fishermen were now able to have influence into the lives of the first century Jews. They were persuasive. They were uh, spiritually attractive. They were bold in their declaration and they were able to heal uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit given to them by God himself. And because of this, people were changing. People were converting and the religious leaders uh, felt, felt their, their, their influence slipping away and as a result, they felt they had to do something. So they told Peter, you all need to stop. Stop preaching the gospel. But I love what Peter said in response. Yes, the gospel offends people. Yes, it offends people because it hits people right in their heart. It gives people what they need, not necessarily what they want. So the gospel is the best thing for us. If you don't want the best thing for you, then you really don't love yourself the way you think you do. We should always want the best thing for us. When we go to a doctor and the doctor tells us we need to cut this out, we need to stop doing this, the doctor cares about us. It's up to us whether or not to receive the wisdom, whether or not to apply what that doctor is saying. That doctor is telling you the truth because he's being objective and he loves you. So the doctor says stop smoking. We see a blockage in your lungs. That doctor is telling you the truth. So In the same way, God loves us even more than our doctors. God loves us even more than we love ourselves. So we have to trust God in what he's saying. So even though our feelings may get hurt, well, doc, you saying I need to stop drinking this? Yes, you need to stop drinking that. Uh, Doctor, are you saying that I need to stop eating this? Yes, you need to stop eating that. It may offend you. That the doctor was so bold in his or her declaration to you, but they're telling you the truth. In the same way, the gospel tells us the truth. The the gospel reveals who we really are to ourselves. And so some people can't handle that much truth, so they become offended. And in the Jews' case, in dealing with Jesus, they were so offended, they wanted to kill him for telling the truth. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Even if I wasn't here... Even if all the evangelists of the world were not here, God would bring up a new crop. 
God will bring new people to the scene. God's word will not come back void. The gospel is eternal in nature because it comes from the nature of God. The gospel will never expire because truth does not expire like milk. Truth does not expire like food. Truth is eternal. It'll always be here. So whether we deny it or whether we say it doesn't exist, whether we rebuff against it, it's not going anywhere. So we need to share the truth of God in love because people need to hear the gospel. So the G stood for go. The O was for offensive. And the second O in the acronym good stands for overcome. The gospel allows us as Christians to overcome. Look at 1 John 5 and 5. It says, who is the one who overcomes the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? John 16, 33. These things have I spoken to you so that you and me may, may have peace. In the world, you, ha- you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So 1 John 5 and 5 reminds us uh, who is the one who overcomes the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So because Jesus have overcome the world, we have overcome. We've overcome uh, being trivial. We've overcome pettiness. We've overcome being anxious for nothing. But learning that in everything, through supplication, we need to give praise to God. We are overcomers. We've overcome bad traditions. We've overcome cultural idioms that hurt people. We've overcome uh, vain and petty stuff. So we've, we've overcome. So the G for go, the O for offensive, the other O for overcome, and lastly, the gospel is demanding. It demands something, some things from us. It demands for us to sacrifice. It demands for us to use our minds. In Romans 12 and 2 as an example, be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may group, uh, prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which is your reasonable service. Then it, it, it helps us to discipline our tongue. Some of us can't stop speaking. Some of us speak too much. And the gospel will help us with that because the gospel is the good news telling us once we accept Jesus Christ, we have access to all power and that power will help you to control your tongue as James reminds us in James 3, 5 through 12. Then the gospel tells us we ought to be slow to speak and quick to hear. James 1, 19. Right. It it, it helps us with that. Then the gospel tells us to give up worldly thinking. Second Corinthians 10 and five, where it says we destroy arguments and every uh, lofty thing that teaches or preaches an anti-God philosophy. So the gospel helps us to become better humans, to become better persons so we can grow up to the head and live a sanctified existence. Well, our time has come to a close. Continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. 
Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.